0: time ago in the land of Israel, a girl named Mary grew up in a home, and she was raised by saintly parents who loved God very much. They told her stories of her ancestors, starting with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then they went on to the people. They were the first of the people who called the children of Israel. She learned about Moses, a great master, who led the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he raised his staff and he opened the, the, the ocean, the Red Sea, so that the children of Israel could go through and go through the other, to the other side. And what did they do? You were going to ask they, something. They, they, they went
1: to a place with food and water to drink.
0: And That's drink. right, the land of milk and honey. Is that what you're talking about? They did. <laughs> they did. And they, they got to Israel. And they lived for a long, long time there, very happily. And King David, their great king, brought them all together. And they were very happy and very content. But as things happen over time, uh, it it always happens this way, that eventually things started to break down and other countries took over. And so finally there was a time when, when the Roman Empire, the great Roman Empire, took over Israel, and Israel became just a little bitty country around on the outside of the Roman Empire. Now, King Herod was was the king that the Romans allowed to rule in in Israel. And King Herod, he did some good things for for Israel, but he did some not-so-good things, too, because the main thing he wanted was he wanted power. He wanted to stay the king. He wanted to be the king. He didn't want anybody else to be the king. He even had some brothers, and he heard a story that, that, that his brothers were trying to take over the kingdom, and he had them put to death. It was that bad. But one time, oh, oh I have to tell you about the prophets. Over all the time of Israel's life, there in Israel and in Egypt before, there were prophets. These were sages. These were seers. These were people who could see. Seers. And what they did was they felt the, the feeling of God's love in their heart, but they didn't stop there. They let God come into their heart, and then they let their, that, that energy come up to the point between the eyebrows where they saw light. And God came and lived in them, and God showed them all kinds of things they could see into the future. And so the prophet said, there will be a Messiah. There will be one who will come, who will save all of Israel, save all of mankind. So the time came when, when Caesar Augustus, Caesar, the great emperor of the whole world, said everyone should be taxed. And so everyone had to go back to where they, where they had, had been born. But first of all, we have to have a little story, too about Mary. Remember, Mary was growing up and she loved God so much in her heart. We felt that love too. Then Mary grew up a little bit more. She grew up to where she was 16 years old and she was about to be married and she was espoused to a man named Joseph. And just as Mary was getting ready, all of a sudden one day she saw a light and there was an angel and the angel came to Mary, and the angel said, and I will tell you what, she, what he said. The angel came to her and said, Hail Mary, highly favored, the Lord is with you. Blessed art thou among women. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive a child, and bring forth a son, and call him Jesus. And he shall be great. And, he will be, and God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And Mary was very astounded by this. And she said, how can this be? How can I have this child? And the angel said, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee, and therefore also that holy child shall be called the Son of God. And do you know what Mary said when this angel came to her and said she would bear this wonderful child that was the Son of God? You know what she said? Be it, be it as you wish. I am the servant of God. I will do anything that God wants. Wasn't that wonderful? And so, as I said, Caesar Augustus said that everyone should be taxed. Everybody should pay their tax. So they had to go back to where they, where they were first born. And so Joseph and Mary went there. And everybody in Israel was traveling every which way. They didn't know where to go. Or, well, they did know where to go, but everybody else was going somewhere too. Everybody else was going somewhere else. So there wasn't much of a place to stay. So when they, when they got to Bethlehem, which was the place where Joseph had been born, when they got to Bethlehem, there wasn't any place to stay. And so they found, finally Joseph found a stable with lots of nice, big animals. Now, the animals can be kind of warm, so it's nice. And they kept the stable warm. And right in the middle of the stable, there was a a little wooden thing. And it had crisscrosses on it, and it had hay in it. It's a manger. A manger. (laughs) That's right. You know this story. And when the baby was born, they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Now, why, why did they wrap him in swaddling clothes? That kept the hay from sticking him. <laughs> so then, just at the same time, just at the same time, you guys know what happened outside. There were shepherds out on, out on the hillsides, and there, there, were, there were sheep. There were goats, too, but like what we have. But there were sheep, and the shepherds were taking care of the sheep and making sure that the wild animals didn't get them. And just then, an angel appeared, one angel up in the sky, and said, "We're getting to Tim's story here. Fear not, for for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. That's us too. And this, you shall find. And this, this is the way that you will know that you, you have found him. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger." And suddenly, after that one angel had appeared to the shepherds, all of a sudden there was just as many angels as there were stars in the sky, and they were all singing, glory, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. So the shepherds knew exactly what a manger was. And so they looked around, and they found that manger really quick, and they found the baby Jesus, and he was shining with light much greater than even the angels did. And then they ran out, and they told everybody that they possibly could. About that same time, there were some wise men that were coming to Jerusalem. They had come to Jerusalem. Now, these wise men were very special. Remember I said that they felt the love in their heart, they brought their love up to here, and they could see things. The wise men had seen a light here, right here at this point. And they were following it, and they were, find, they were trying to find out where Jesus was. So they came to Jerusalem, and they asked King Herod, where is he who is born the king of the Jews? What do you think King Herod thought? <laughs> uh, well, um, I thought I was the king of the Jews. But he wasn't, and he knew it, because his counselors had said that, 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 that the baby Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. And so he said, uh, "Well, go to Bethlehem, and you'll see him. And when you find out where he is exactly, tell him, tell me where he come back and tell me where he is, so that I can go worship him too." Well, you know what Herod really wanted to do. He didn't like Jesus. I mean, you know what, what he really he wanted to kill him, right? And still want to be king. He didn't want.
1: And still want to be king. She. And said. still want to be king. He could
0: stay great king. So the wise men went to went went to Bethlehem and they found the baby Jesus and they found and they knew because they could tell right here they could tell that he he was he was really the Christ consciousness and so they gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh as you remember and then they had a dream and the dream said it uh, the dream said don't go back to Herod don't tell him so they went away and it said they went by another way and Joseph had a dream too. An angel came to Joseph in that dream. And, and the angel said, take right now, take Mary and the baby and go off, to, go off to Egypt. Right now, this very night, in the middle of the night, go off. Because Herod is coming and he wants to kill him. And so Joseph and Mary immediately got up. And so this young holy family lived in Egypt for several years, staying there until the old King Herod died and it was safe again to return to Israel. At all that time, Mary and Joseph taught the child Jesus the stories of God and Moses and their ancestors, preparing him for his great mission. Mary saw the holiness of her son, even in those young days, and she remembered the angels and all the special care that God had shown for this child. And Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. May God bless us all, and remember to feel that Christ consciousness, that light at the point between the eyebrows, and look through it and look at everyone you see and everything that happens. May God bless us all.
1: Of our service. We have three very special guests with us that many of us know, not everyone, but we'd like Christy and Ben and Leon Heck to please stand up. You have been in our thoughts and our prayers, and it's such a... <clears throat> ben, uh, ben had had a extremely serious bike accident not very long ago and had a very severe head injury and it's really a miracle and the power of God and the power of prayers that he's here and that all three of our dear friends are here they live in Maine okay so well our reading this morning it's the last one of the year uh, from rays of the one light it's on the divine ascension Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. John, chapter 14, we read I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What is this I? when spoken by a master who has conquered every vestige of ego consciousness. Therein lies the mystery of true scriptural teaching. That I, that is no I, doesn't even exist. In what way is it different from the consciousness that animates other human beings? Jesus was not saying, look at me, don't look at other masters. He was saying rather, Look at the divine self that is the essence of who you are, your very self. You are that I. No man cometh unto the divine consciousness except by first recognizing his own intrinsic divinity hidden behind his delusive ego. The Bhagavad Gita in the fourth chapter states, O son of Pritha, Arjuna, In whatever way people accept me, in that same way do I appear to them. For all men, in some way, pursue the path to me. Meditate on the divine incarnations. Their lives and the consciousness animating them will be your stairway to the infinite. Thus, through holy scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Aum. 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 Good morning everyone.
2: This morning, I'm going to read from metaphysical meditations. This is a Christmas vow, Master calls it. I will prepare for the coming of the omnipresent baby Christ by cleaning the cradle of my consciousness, now rusty with selfishness, indifference, and sense attachments, and by polishing it with deep daily divine meditation, introspection, and discrimination. I will remodel the cradle with the dazzling soul qualities. Of brotherly love, humbleness, faith, desire for God, realization, willpower, self-control, renunciation, and unselfishness, that I may fittingly celebrate the birth of the divine child at the end of the reading that Davy read it said it's good to meditate." on the lives of the great ones, and to try to tune our consciousness to their consciousness. And so one way to do that is to look at the episodes of their lives. But just looking at the episodes without some degree of understanding doesn't really help us very much. We just heard the story of King Herod and what happened and in India, uh, they would have been reading stories from the Bhagavad Gita, uh, from the Ramayana or the Mahabharata, but in all cultures they tell stories of the great ones, the wise ones, but on the surface level, those stories may not be all that enlightening. Uh, one could easily end up feeling anger toward Herod and the terrible uh, things that he did at the birth of Christ, and a lot of confusion arises. But one of the keys that Master gave us in studying Scripture and studying these stories is to understand that the people in them are not only historical people, but much more importantly for us, they represent qualities in our own consciousness. So each of the people in that story represents something in your own consciousness, in my own consciousness. And if we begin to look more deeply at the stories in this way, we begin to get a little bit of understanding. So let's revisit this, the birth of Christ and and Herod, the story there, and see what it means for our own consciousness. First of all, you have the land of Israel, as Sudarshan was telling us. And in the land of Israel are the chosen people. Who are the chosen people? Well, as it says in uh, our weekly reading, the Festival of Light, God chooses those who choose him. And so here was a grouping of people who had chosen God, chosen to be, Uh, to have their consciousness uh, attuned by God, to try to attune their will and their thoughts and their actions to the divine will. And so that grouping of chosen people prepares the way for the birth of the Messiah. The birth of the Messiah represents the Christ consciousness. The Christ consciousness is the divine center in every atom of creation. So divinity in every atom of creation is the Christ consciousness. And when that is that consciousness takes form, takes a human form, and when there's no delusion left, then that form is an avatar as Jesus was. And so the... the Preparation of the nation wanting to attune themselves with God produces the circumstances in which God can be born. How does he choose to be born? Well, obviously we hear in a cradle, in a manger, in a stable, in very humble circumstances, but his parents. Now, his parents are, that's a very, very interesting thing symbolically. Again, this is our own consciousness So the mother and father represent the past. Uh, And when you read in scripture and you read about the relatives, the uncles, the grandparents, the father, the mother, what that represents in our consciousness is our own past tendencies. So what are the parents of Christ here? What are the past tendencies that he brings Well, it's very, very interesting symbolically. The father isn't Joseph, really. It's the omnipresent spirit or the Om vibration, the Holy Ghost. That's the father. The mother is Mary, but a virgin birth, the the immaculate conception. So the tendencies, the reason and feeling tendencies the parents of the baby Jesus are as pure as you can possibly get and still come into this world. And so the Christ consciousness born in us is born in humble circumstances and born of purity of feeling and the divine consciousness. And that's that's our real parentage. That's That's where we come from. And so the little baby-awakened Christ consciousness that's born in us, and uh, Christmas Day is just a symbol of that. It's just a way that it kind of bubbles up to the surface a little bit, and we recognize it and contemplate it and try to attune ourselves. The rest of the time, most of the rest of the year, we go to sleep and don't even think about it. That's why we come in and say how feels everyone awake and ready (laughs) because we want to wake up a little bit when we wake up a little bit we recognize the birth of that divinity within us well then what happens as that divinity begins to come to the surface in our consciousness it's destined to become the king of our consciousness but the consciousness that we have Opposes that there's always an opposition, and that's why the symbol of the great war of the in the Mahabharata, the the worldly tendencies against the spiritual tendencies in the Mahabharata. there are the Kuravas and the Pandavas, and the king in the Mahabharata, Master calls him King Material Desire, Duryodhana. The king in the Christian Bible or in, in the Bible is Herod, King Material Desire. Same thing. And what does the what does the king material desire want to do to the baby? Wants to kill him. And so in the Mahabharata the the Duryodhana and his family were trying constantly to wipe out. They had all these plots going. You know built this beautiful house for uh, the Pandavas to live in, um, beautiful structure made of a lacquer which was very flammable and they tried to burn them but they escaped. Same, Same themes but see symbolically what's going on here is this birth of divinity within us is opposed by the tendencies from the past that thinks that our Fulfillment comes through worldly king material desire that our happiness will come from being rich or being famous or being um, whatever. You can fill in the blanks. But that king material desire ruling the kingdom of our consciousness is now opposed by the birth of divine consciousness in us represented by the birth of jesus but it's really the divine christ consciousness coming to the fore and that's recognized by the in this story of jesus by those wise elements within us and those wise elements come and they offer gifts so when we first come on the spiritual path master said he used a very interesting phrase he said, when you first come on the spiritual path, the soldiers from your past spiritual activities come to the fore. And that's why often people will have experiences when they first come onto the spiritual path consciously that it's simple, and then they don't have those experiences for years and years after that. It's because our divine soldiers have come to the fore and they help us fight that battle for a little while and then they recede. So the wise men come and they help the baby Jesus and the holy family and they offer them gifts and then they uh, help protect them from the worldly consciousness that's trying to wipe them out. So in our consciousness, King Herod and his whole army is there also. It's your worldly tendencies that are opposed to the divine divinity within you and is trying to repress that and wipe it out. So in this way, we can meditate on the episodes of the lives of Jesus or of any great master. and But try to see the symbols behind it and try especially to see that those symbols don't relate to somebody who lived a life 2,000 years ago in a country that was far away. The land of Israel is right within your own skull and the chosen people are your own spiritual thoughts who are choosing God. Now, the other thing that we should do, it's even more important, and that's that we should try to attune our vibration with the vibration represented by these great masters what do i mean by that if if david if the guitar or the uh, violin were uh, in attunement so that it was tuned and david played a note on his cello you could feel the string on that guitar or that violin vibrate in harmony with that, with that uh, sound, with that vibration that was being played, I know sometimes I enjoy. Tr- if I have something that has any kind of resonance, even a little box, if you hold it on your lap while a choir is singing, you can feel the vibration vibrating in that. There's a very famous percussionist who's completely deaf, but she puts her hand on the uh, on the instrument that she's playing, the drum or whatever that she's playing. And she can feel the symphony being played and knows exactly when to hit her notes. And it's it's really quite marvelous. But those vibrations are there. We just have to sensitize to them a little bit. And the vibrations of the Christ consciousness are there all the time. We just have to sensitize to it a little bit. And so, just as sunlight can be broken up into the, with a prism, can be broken up into the various colors of the rainbow, so that Christ consciousness has particular vibrations of love and joy and wisdom and calmness and peace and so on. Well, Christ, in particular, vibrated with the quality of love, love and compassion, but love in its various forms. Master said the greatest act of Christ was when he was on the cross being crucified and in that extremity the quality that was expressed was one of love. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So in that extremity. So if we want to tune to the consciousness of Jesus what we should try to do is to feel his love. So if you want to meditate on episodes of his life, find those episodes where there's love or compassion. But don't feel them just at a distance. Feel them in your own self because that vibration is universal. It's so universal that it isn't confined to human beings. I was reading this morning, we had a gift of... Uh, at Christmas of a wonderful book called Animal Friends that uh, Catherine Kairavi gave us. And I was reading this morning, there's a very, very famous animal story of a gorilla named Coco. And, you know, large 250-pound gorilla. Coco uh, was kind of an experiment in animal intelligence because they they trained Coco to speak, not through vocal cords, but through sign language because the vocal cords couldn't form the words, but they trained with sign language and Coco had a vocabulary of over 500 words. So 500 words, if you knew 500 words of Italian or Chinese, you could get along. 500 words is enough to get along and Coco could get along but not just words, concepts. And so the trainer, Coco's trainer would read stories to Coco and Coco's favorite stories, one was Puss in Boots (laughs) and one was a story about three little kittens. It came time for Coco's birthday and... Coco knew that she was going to get some presents they asked her what she wanted she gave the sign whiskers for a little kitty and so they brought some kittens and she picked one the scrawniest littlest one and she took that kitten and gave it the name i think all ball <laughs> and she loved that little kitten and just held it and cared for it and to it was just the dearest companion about a year later all ball escaped from the lab ran out into the street and was killed and coco went into a period of deep mourning extremely sad extremely upset wouldn't eat and they asked, the trainer asked her how she was feeling. She gave the sign for sad, lonely, crying. So you see the universal consciousness of love expresses far, far vaster territory than what we think. And then, well, to finish the story, because it leaves our heart aching after Coco's period of mourning they brought her she she was ready then and they brought her another litter of kitties and she chose two of them
0: <laughs>
2: and so she she had had the kittens with her for the rest of the time but see how that that particular vibration of love just resonates and as we attune our consciousness to it, we resonate with that vibration of love. Uh, I'll tell one more story because it's so cute. happened last night. Davy and I went in to spend Christmas Eve with our uh, our family, our son and, and grandchildren and his wife. And we have a little granddaughter that's uh, not even a year and a half, about a year and four months old. And so we brought her a little uh, gift of a little toy xylophone. And so it it was a very good sign because when we got there, she had a little uh, kind of pot and she was banging on that, (laughs) making music with that. So she really liked the xylophone. That was a big, big hit. She was banging away on it. So then Davey sat down and played a little tune on the xylophone. And... Uh, little major, she loved this, but she wasn't too sure about Davy having her xylophone. (laughs) Now, this, this I found absolutely precious. So she figured out a way to get her xylophone back that was the perfect way. So she didn't go and bop Davy over the head and take her xylophone. She didn't go take the xylophone and go in another room. Uh, Or as it says uh, with the story of the little bird, uh, soon realized that what else is wisdom but to keep mine for myself. She didn't go there. But what she did was when Davy tried to play the xylophone, she went and hugged (laughs) Davy. So she couldn't play the xylophone. (laughs) Isn't that a perfect solution? That's one to remember. So when you want something, love works better than anything else. But if we attune ourselves to the divine vibration of love and if we contemplate Jesus and his life and the episodes in his life in order to increase that quality, Within us, then we will have really attuned ourselves to the vibration of that master, that particular avatar. As we attune our consciousness to any vibration of God, especially in the pure form of an avatar, we not only begin to understand, but we begin to resonate in harmony with that vibration until eventually there is no, vib- no part of us that isn't vibrating in attunement and we become that which we worship. God bless you.